together we lift up our voices as we sing step by step oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you and i will keep you in the morning and i will learn to walk in your ways and step by step you'll lead me and i will follow you all of my days oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you oh god you are my god and i will ever praise you and i will seek you in the morning and i will learn to walk in your ways and step by step you'll lead follow you all of my days. Then we're going to lift up our voices and sing a good old hymn. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow, makes me white as stone. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And this is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. It is good to have each of you out. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Ask God to come and meet with us. Father in heaven, we thank you for all the folks that have come out for our midweek service, our last night of our revival service. And I just pray that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts, draws us nearer to you, that it would be your work that is accomplished this evening. Please help each of us to have very open hearts to what it is you have for us. Be with Brother Kent as he preaches, that he'd be led by you. We praise you and thank you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let's continue in singing tonight one of our newer praise songs, Living Hope. Lord, how great the chasm that lay between us. You are my living hope. How great the chasm. 
between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. And through the darkness, your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written, Jesus Christ, my living evangelist preacher and we like to be sure he's got plenty of time to cover all that he needs to cover uh you know him you know his wife so we're going to turn it right over to him thank you brother tim well are you glad to be here tonight say amen yeah. 
This is a great group on Wednesday night, and I appreciate you that have been so faithful. Who here tonight would say, Brother Kent, I took the revival challenge. I was here for all five of your messages. How many are like that? Oh, there. Look, preacher, look across that crowd. Let's give these people a big hand. Thank you so much for supporting this meeting because when you support this meeting, you're also supporting your church and you're supporting that good pastor, Brother Tim Taylor over there. And you're saying, I love your planning and your praying and I'm going to be there for revival. And so thank you for being here every service. Tonight is my last night and I always like to take a minute to say my thank yous on the last night. I'd like to thank uh, you for the nice apartment upstairs. Uh, I call it the birdhouse back there. And uh, uh, if you had a part in decorating it or painting or building it, thank you so much for providing such a nice, comfortable spot for me and Julie to stay in. And uh, we've enjoyed being up there. I also want to thank Brother Tim and Sandy for being wonderful hosts. They have uh, fed us and entertained us and uh, we have just had a great time. This is my third trip to Virgins and uh, it was as good as the last two, all right? And so I just wanna say thank you to anyone that gave us something or came up and brought us a gift or a card or a letter. Thank you so much. Now, I don't want you to forget about Kent York and Ignite Ministry. And the best way to keep up with me is go to my website. It's real easy. It's kentyork.org. I'm not a com. I'm an org. O-R-G. <laughs> and when you go to kentyork.org, you can look at pictures of my family and all my grandbabies. And there's a calendar there. And just maybe... You've got a friend or a family member in a city that I will be in over the next several months or years. And I want you to call them up and say, hey, I've got a little fat evangelist friend. And uh, I want you to come out and meet him when he comes to your city. Next Sunday morning, I begin a revival in Bangor, Maine. If you have any maniacs in your family, uh, tell them to come out and see me in Bangor, Maine next Sunday through Wednesday. Then I'll be going to Fayetteville, North Carolina, on to Tulsa, Oklahoma, San Antonio, Texas, New Brumsville, Texas, and then on to Tucson, Arizona. So if you've got any people in those cities, and you can look at my calendar and see where I'll be for the next year or so, call them up and invite them to come out to an Ignite meeting with Brother Kent York. And also on that page, you can push a button and send me uh, a message. And if you do write me, I promise you, I will personally write you back at least one time. I probably don't want to be your pen pal, but uh, uh, I will write you back one time. If you're a Facebooker, 
You can become my 5,999 friend on Facebook. And if you write me on Facebook, I promise you, I'll try to write you back one time. And uh, we would love to uh, correspond with you there also. But let me just say a great big thank you to Victory Baptist. You've been a wonderful host this week. And we've had a wonderful, wonderful time. In fact, this is the hardest part of being an evangelist. Because, you know, I get up on Sunday morning and I look at you. And you look at me. And you're not sure you like me. And I'm sure I don't like you. <laughs> but by Wednesday night, we just feel like we're part of the church family around here. So thank you for making us feel so welcome. And we look forward to coming back uh, as soon as we can in the future. And I wish you would pray for us because what we did this week is what we do about 38 weeks out of the year all over America. And so please come back to my table tonight. I'll be standing right at the end of it. Come back and shake my hand and say bye. And uh, if you have not had an opportunity yet to buy one of these beautiful Christian t-shirts, come back and look them over. You may want one. In fact, tonight, if you're wearing one of my beautiful Christian t-shirts tonight, stand up right now. Stand up. Twirl around, let everybody see how beautiful your shirt is. Look, look at all of these beautiful Christian t-shirts. Aren't you jealous you want one? All right, we're so glad for these folks. If you didn't get one, come see me. I got a few left and some real good hats. And remember, when you buy those, you're going to help me go on my next foreign mission project and so you can be a blessing that way well julie's going to come and um, sing a song right before i preach and uh, this is a beautiful song it's got a great message and sometimes it's kind of a hard message because this song is called blessings and you know sometimes blessings come through hard times. Bad blessings come through pain. And when you're going through it. You're not always enjoying it. But sometimes you look back and say. Those were times in my life when I grew. When God was there with me. And you listen as Julie sings. Blessings. blessings we pray for peace comfort for family protection while we sleep we pray for healing prosperity we pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering Loves us way too much to give us lesser things. What 
What if your blessing comes through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know he's near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear. We cry and hurt when we cannot feel you near. We'll doubt his goodness. We'll doubt his love. As if every promise from his word is not enough. And all the while, he hears each desperate plea and longs that we'd have faith to believe. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healings come through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know he's near? What if trials of this life are your mercies in disguise? When friends betray us, when trouble seems to win, we know this pain reminds our hearts. This is not, this is not our home. No, it's not our home. What if your blessings come through raindrops? What if your healing comes through tears? What if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know he's near? What if my greatest disappointment or the aching of this life is a revealing of a greater thirst this world can't satisfy? What if trials of this life, the rains, the storms, the hardest parts, are your mercies in disguise? Thank you, honey. Oh, I'm not going to sing it. 
Open your Bibles tonight to the book of Nehemiah chapter number 4. Nehemiah chapter number 4. Now you're going to find Nehemiah in your Old Testament. And uh, it's kind of hid in there. God called me to preach when I was a 17 year old boy. My daddy was the pastor of the Salem Baptist Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. And dad said, well, Kent, if God has called you to preach, then you need to preach. So next uh, Sunday night in two weeks, you're going to preach at our church. Now, this was a church of about 300 people. And I said, dad, I'm going to preach. What should I preach? He said, oh, Kent, preach something simple like John 3.16. I said, ah, everybody knows John 3.16. I want to preach something tough. So I decided to preach out of the book of Nehemiah. And I got in the pulpit and I couldn't find the book of Nehemiah. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. I couldn't find it. You say, why didn't you go to the front and look up the page number? Well, I didn't want everybody to think I was an idiot, so I just kept flipping. Uh huh. I was saying stuff like this, Brother Tim. I knew it was here the last time I looked. I'll find it. Hold on. And I kid you not, I could not find the book of Nehemiah. And my youth pastor was sitting right there on the front row. His name was Jim Trammell. And I looked over and I said, Brother Trammell, what does it come after? And I'll never forget, he said, Ezra. I didn't even know Ezra was a book in the Bible. I never heard of Ezra. But I finally found Nehemiah. And I preached that little sorry message. It lasted about 10 minutes. And when I went out the back door, the little old ladies in the church, they lied like bad rugs. <laughs> oh, Kent, you're a good preacher. You're going to be a good preacher. And here I am, 48 years later, still preaching. Did I talk long enough for you to find Nehemiah? <laughs> All right, let's stand. Nehemiah chapter 4. Nehemiah chapter 4. When we begin to read, we're going to read in verse 12. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 12. I want to give you the background of the story very quickly. Nehemiah is a Jew. He was taken in captivity and taken back to Shushan the palace. The king was a man named Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes had a, a, a great kingdom at that time. And Nehemiah was hired to be his cupbearer. From everything I've studied, the cupbearer was the king's food taster. Just like today, people try and assassinate the leaders of our country. Back then, they would try and poison the king. 
And so Nehemiah would stand behind the king's chair. And when they brought his food out, he would reach down and take a little bite of everything on the king's plate. It was a really good job. You ate really good until that one time. Then you were terminated. <laughs> but the king in Shushan the palace had a great rule. And the rule was this. You were not allowed to come into his presence unless you had a smile on your face. In fact, if you came into his presence without a smile, they would take you out and chop your head off. Wouldn't that be a good rule at church? Uh, <laughs> you must come to church with a smile or we're taking you to the parking lot. No, we couldn't do that. The parking lot would be red with blood out there. <laughs> well, one day Nehemiah ran into three friends from his hometown. The city of Jerusalem. And when you meet someone from your hometown, you always want to know, how's things back at home? And they told him, it's horrible. The walls have been knocked down and the gates have been burned. And the city of Jerusalem is laying in ruin. And Nehemiah began to weep and to cry for his hometown. And it came time for his shift. And he went into the king's presence. And when the king saw his face, he said, what is this? Is this sadness in my presence? And I know right then Nehemiah's heart stopped. Because he thought his life was over. And he told the king, how can I be happy when my hometown lays in ruin? And God moved on the heart of Artaxerxes and he said... What can I do to help? And he sent Nehemiah back to Jerusalem with letters of passage and to get supplies. And he went back to Jerusalem and gathered up the remnant of the Jews from everything I've studied. It was somewhere around 85,000 people that were still in Jerusalem that were Jews. And they began to build the walls of the city. And you mark it down. Anytime you try to do something for God, there's somebody that don't like it. There's some of you in this room. When you started coming to Victory Baptist and you got saved, you got family members. They don't like it. They think you're in a cult. And the cult leader is Tim Taylor. <laughs> and you're drinking the Kool-Aid. You mark it down. Start a Bible study. Someone don't like it. Start a band route. Someone don't like it. Start an outreach. To the, someone don't like it. Here they are rebuilding the walls of the city of Jerusalem. And there's somebody that doesn't like it. There was two old dirty pot lickers. Their name was Sanballat and Tobias. And at first they just teased them and said, Ah, even if they build a wall, if a fox runs up on it, it'll knock the wall down. Now that's pretty insulting. Because there's not hardly a lighter footed animal than a fox. And then they even called him once and said, come down to the plain of Ono. We'd like to meet with you. They were going to kill him. And Nehemiah said, Ono to Ono. Mm -hmm. And then finally word comes. 
that there's a plan. There's a scheme. And they're going to hit you from all sides. Kind of reminds you what happened Saturday in Israel. They had a plan to kill them. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 12. It says, And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. They're going to hit you from every side. Therefore, said I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. You see, the men did not want to go and work on the wall and leave their wife and kids at the house. Nehemiah said, bring your family. Put them behind the wall. And these men literally with one hand were smearing mud. And with the other hand, they were holding a sword. Isn't that a pretty picture of the Christian life? Every day you better be growing and building. But you better set a watch for the devil. Because he's after you. Verse 14. And I looked and I rose up and I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Which is great and terrible. Those last words are my text tonight. Remember the Lord which is great and terrible. Every service this week after I read my text I invite people to come to the altar and pray with me. We're going to do it this one last time. If you've not come and prayed with me, come on down and pray with me tonight. If you say, Brother Ken, I'm not comfortable coming down there and praying with you, then you can be seated. Or if you're physically unable, I understand. But you're welcome to come on down and pray with me tonight. Come on and let's pray. Amen. Amen. Come on down and pray with me. <coughs> Amen. Thank you. Just tuck in here tight. Amen. Thank you. Dear God, we come to you tonight. Oh, we've had a great four days here in Virginia. We've had a great meeting here at Victory. We thank you for Christians that have experienced revival in their heart. And then, Lord, we thank you for the four precious souls that called upon your son's name to be saved. But, Lord, tonight we have one more service. We have one more message. And tonight I'm asking that you take your word and that it would go down deep in a heart. It may be one sentence. It may be one verse. It may be one phrase. But I want to ring a bell tonight in someone's heart. 
Lord, I'm praying first for someone that's here. And they're a good person. And they do good deeds. But they have never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of their life. I pray tonight before they'd leave this property, they'd call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. And then, Lord, I'm praying for a man and a woman. They've been here every service. They're saved. But they've really let your word roll off their back like water off a duck. It's never penetrated their heart. I pray tonight they would let your word speak to them. And they would experience revival in their life. Heavenly Father, give me preaching power. Let me be your man tonight. And I'm going to give you thanks in advance for what you're going to do. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Tonight we see the man Nehemiah. He's probably in the same condition that a few of you are tonight. <coughs> Surrounded by the enemy. Oh, I know you came to church and you glued on a smile. And when someone said, how are you doing? Oh, just great. But the truth be told, you're not great at all. There's some couples in this room tonight. You don't know if you're going to be married this time next month because your marriage is a mess. There's some that have been to the doctor and he said he saw a spot and they need to do a biopsy and he even used that horrible C word, the word cancer. Some of you don't know if you're going to be able to make your house payment next month. Some of you are already dreading those big winter heating bills that are coming. At work, they're laying off people and you think you might be on the list. You see, sometimes in life, we're completely surrounded by the enemy. Nehemiah stood up before those people and said, they're going to try and hit us from every side. They're going to attack us from every direction. But I've got these words of advice. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Oh, and that's still good advice today. Remember the Lord. Now, what's he talking about when he says, remember the Lord? He's not just saying, think about God. I think everybody likes to think about God. I think the first, the first thought that a person would have would be when he says, remember the Lord. He's saying, come on, folks. Let's remember the good old days. 
Let's remember when David killed a giant with, with a slingshot. Let's remember when Moses crossed the Red Sea on the dry ground. Let's remember when, when Solomon built a beautiful temple in this city. Let's remember the good old days. But I don't think that's what he's saying at all. Because you need to realize these people had been in captivity a long time. <laughs> Judah had been in captivity for, for over 70 years. How much do you remember from 70 years ago? Nothing. And you say, Brother Kent, surely they had the scrolls, the Bible. The, could, they, could they read the text? Well, the funny thing about it is if you'll read on in the book of Nehemiah, you'll find that after they do build the walls and the gates of the city, they build a huge platform right in the middle of the city. And Ezra, the high priest, gets up on that platform and he reads the word of God to the people. And they stood in the streets for hours and they wept. You know why? Because they'd never heard it before. So when he said, remember the Lord, he did not say, remember the good old days of Israel. And you know, I think sometimes around the church, we can be just as guilty. People say, well, <laughs> this is 2023. Oh, let's remember the good old days around Victory Baptist Church. Let's remember the good old days of the years gone by with Billy Sunday. And all the great revivals of the past. And we're guilty of that all the time. Oh, if we could just go back to the good old days. <laughs> You know what? The good old days never really were that good. We romanticize them because it was the good old days. My dad years ago pastored a church in Anadarko, Oklahoma. It was called New Hope Baptist. We called it No Hope Baptist. <laughs> Set right up on top of a hill and didn't have central heat or air. It had windows just like these, like y'all have. And in the summertime, they would just open them windows and that Oklahoma dirt would just blow right through that auditorium. But we were glad to get it. In the winter, we didn't have central heat. It had two huge floor furnaces, one on this side and one on that side. In the winter, it was the only church in America where everybody sat right up on the front rows. <laughs> And do you remember them old floor furnaces? You burned on the front and you froze on the back. Uh-huh. We didn't have nice pews like y'all have here. Some man in the church made the pews. And he used one befores and he put two or three on the bottom and two or three on the back. And he spaced them so close that if you moved wrong, I'd pinch the life out of you. They thought we were charismatics, but we were just getting pinched. Uh-huh. And then the church didn't have a bathroom, Brother Tim. No. You had to go out the back door, walk all the way around the back of the building, and they had an outhouse out there. And the deacons, in their immense wisdom, when they built that outhouse, they put in a two-holer. 
who would you go in there with? I wouldn't go in there with my own wife. Could you see me and Brother Tim in there after church? Good service tonight, wasn't it? Uh -huh. No, we're not going to do that. It's the stupidest thing I ever saw. A two-hole outhouse. And then they didn't have a drinking fountain. They had a pump. And that pump was only like five feet from the outhouse. And I used to sit there and pump it and think, I hope this well's deep. I mean, I hope it's real deep. And then in Oklahoma, the wind blows 40 miles an hour all the time. And so when you'd pump and get down there to get a drink, that water would turn like that. And the whole front of your shirt was soaking wet. You'd walk in the church and they'd go, oh, see, you got a drink. <laughs> I don't know about you. I like this central heat in there, don't you? I like these padded pews. I like that bathroom with a stall and a lock. I love your drinking fountain. You know what, folks? We really are living in one of the greatest eras to ever share the gospel. And stop dreaming about the good old days. Because these are the best days we've got. So if we go back and say, what did Nehemiah mean when he said, remember the Lord? You know what he was saying? He was saying, remember what God did in your life last week. Remember what God is doing in your life today. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's some of you in this room... Your bottom lip may be dragging because of problems, but it's time for you to stop and remember the Lord. The Lord's been good to you. There's some women in this room tonight. You need to stop and thank God for that good husband that he gave you. You say, well, he ain't, he ain't no, he's not very romantic. He's a couch potato. When I married him, he was a burning hunk of love. Now he's a recliner that burps. Uh -huh. <laughs> but let me tell you something, ladies. Some of you got a husband, he works hard and he brings the paycheck home and he doesn't stop down at the liquor store, the gambling casino and blow all your money. You ought to thank God you got a good husband like that. He takes care of you and your kids. And then there's some men. You need to thank God for that good wife that he gave you. You say, well, my wife don't look like them swimsuit models on Sports Illustrated. Yeah, like one of them would have anything to do with you. <laughs> There's some of you men, you're so ugly, you ought to be glad you got a woman. Uh -huh. And many of you got a wife that not only does she cook and clean and take care of the kids, she works a full-time job just like you do to help pay the bills. You know what, some of you men, you need to remember the Lord and thank God for your wife. Amen. And then I think you ought to thank God for your kids. He said, oh, you don't know my kids. <laughs> I read the other day that insanity was hereditary. You get it from your kids. <laughs> and I know there's days, oh, you could wring their neck. 
But many of you got strong, healthy, smart kids. And you ought to say, thank you, Lord, for giving me these kids. They're a blessing. And some of you need to thank God for your job. You got a job. Many cities I'm in, people are without jobs. You need to thank God you got that good job. Then go back home tonight and look at that house. Oh, I know you maybe could use a new couch or some new carpet. But, but, but you've got a beautiful home and it's comfortable. I wish you could go with me and Julie when we go to these third world countries. We were in Belo Horizonte, Brazil one night. And, and the, uh, the missionary said, a family in the church, they want to have you over to their house for dinner. And he said, it'll be all right. They'll, they'll, they'll be good to you. And we went to that little house. It was just a row house of concrete block doors and they lived right next. There was no glass on the windows. They had bars on the window. And when we walked in there, they didn't have a floor. It was just packed hard dirt on the floor. And they had a little metal folding table with four little metal chairs and a bare light bulb hanging from the ceiling. And in the corner, they had a little cooktop with a propane bottle and two little rooms with mats on the floor. One's for them and one for their two kids. And that night they fixed us a delicious meal. And they were so proud that these Americans had come and to eat dinner with them. Do you realize they all think we're millionaires up here? And up beside them, we are millionaires. And some of you need to stop today and thank God for how good he's been to you. And then you ought to thank God you got a church like Victory Baptist. I don't know if y'all know, not all churches in America are like this church. Do you know that? I'm in some that are deader than a hammer. And I go out and eat with Brother Tim and Sandy and we sit there and visit. And I'm going to tell you while we're eating lunch or dinner, they do not sit there and tell us how stupid you people are and how ignorant you... No, they love the people of this church and they talk highly of you and their hearts are broken for you. You ought to thank God you got a good church like this to go to. You see, when Nehemiah stood up that day and said, folks, let's don't be afraid of them. Let's remember the Lord. He was saying, let's remember how good he's been in our life. And I say to you tonight, every one of us could stop and remember the Lord because he's been so good to us. And then he said, remember the Lord, which is great. <laughs> Isn't that a good word to describe God? Great. You know, Kellogg stole that from the Bible. <laughs> Tony Tiger, Sugar Frosted Flakes. They're great. That's a good word to describe God. I don't know about you, but I don't want a pipsqueaky God. Do you want a pipsqueaky God? No, I want a great God. I mean, the... America gets in a war and they're, they have to start drafting 65-year-old fat evangelists. I'm going to be a Marine, of course. Simplify. And I show up the first day at Paris Island. And they say, we want you to meet your platoon sergeant. And out walks some limp wrist like Pee Wee Herman. Hi, boys. <laughs> Let's go take the hill. Oh, I'm going AWOL right there. I'm out of there. 
if I'm going to go into war, I want, I want John Wayne, you know, I want The Rock, I want somebody tough. Well, I'm the same way about my God. I want a God that's great. It upsets me when modern theologians and liberal theologians take the Bible apart and say, oh, that didn't really happen. Oh, that didn't really happen. Oh, that was just a fairy tale. You know what? I believe the Bible. They'll say, well, Moses didn't cross the Red Sea. It was actually called the Reed Sea. And the water was only ankle deep. And they just waded across. And I'm like, well, praise God, because all the Pharaoh's army drowned in ankle deep water. <laughs> what a great God we serve. You know what? I believe the Bible and I believe God can do great things. And I have seen him in my life and I have seen him week after week on the revival trail do great things that we thought were impossible. I pastored a church in Kalamazoo, Michigan several years ago, early in my ministry. We had a sweet lady, and she always sat right over here, and her name was Jean. And every Wednesday night, Jean would hold up her hand during prayer requests, and I'd say, Jean, what, what do you want? And she'd say, pray for my best friend, Betty Banks. And so every Wednesday night, we put down Betty Banks, pray for Betty Banks. Well, after about a month or so, I went to Jean, and I said, Jean, do you have her address? I'll go out and see her. <laughs> And she said, Brother Kent, would you go out and visit her? I said, I'd be happy to. So she gave me the address. I drove out to Betty's house. It was a cold, wet, rainy Michigan night. It was raining. And they didn't even have a porch. They just kind of had a stoop and a door. And I knocked on that door and she opened it about this far and said, What do you want? I said, Betty, I don't want anything. I'm Jean's pastor and I come to visit you. I've got a church. Leave me alone. Slam. And I thought, well, you old heifer, you. <laughs> it's raining out here. You could at least have me come in. So the next Wednesday night, we're at prayer meeting. Anyone got a prayer request? Any, anyone but Jean over here. <laughs> Okay, Gene, what is it? Let's keep praying for Betty Banks. And I kid you not, that night I'm like, Betty Banks. <laughs> and we prayed for her for another three or four months. Well, it came summertime, and we used to always go to what we call Super Rally at uh, Sandusky, Ohio, at Cedar Point. It's a big amusement park, and we take the teens there, and then we have preaching services during the day, and... Jean came to me and said, Brother Kent, Betty and her three kids are going to go to Super Rally with us. And I said, well, good. So we went over to Sandusky, Ohio, and I got on the same row with Betty because I wanted to see how she reacted to the preacher. Brother Bruce Melton was our preacher that year. And I remember when he had the invitation, she didn't even stand up. She just sat there with her arms closed. She didn't like him a bit. And we got back late that night, back to Kalamazoo, and I'm helping people out of our vans. 
And I go, Betty, thank you for coming to Super Rally, and I sure wish you'd come visit our church. I'm a Catholic, leave me alone! And I was just like, okay, okay, back, back. Oh, I thought she was going to claw my eyes out. Well, we went Wednesday night. Who's got a prayer request? Okay, Gene, what is it? Let's keep praying for Betty, huh? Betty. In my heart, I'm thinking... Gene, that, that, that gal's not going to get saved. She's too mean. Well, it got to the middle of the winter. We're still praying. It was Tuesday night visitation. And Brother Tim, two men showed up. Now, the snow was this deep in Michigan that night. And it irritated me that two guys showed up. Because the Bible says go out two by two. Not two by one. Not three by three. And I kind of looked at one of them like, why did you stay home? Because no one wants to wait in the car on a cold night. So finally I said, ah, both of you, come go with me. We'll take turns. You, you guys can sit in the car. And the phone rang and it was Jean. And I said, hey, Jean, how you doing? She said, fine. Hey, Brother Kent, Betty's in the hospital. Do you think you could go and visit her? And I said, hold on. Hey, guys. Y'all want to go to the hospital? It's warm in the hospital. They plow the sidewalks in the, at the hospital. Yeah, let's go to the hospital. So I go, well, yeah, we'd be happy to go to the hospital. Now, Gene, before I go, uh, I don't like to put my foot in my mouth and embarrass myself. Uh, is she having some kind of woman surgery or something? Because I, I don't want to embarrass myself. She said, oh, no, Brother Kemp, she's on the psych ward. She's losing her mind. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I wanted to say, I wish you'd have told me that first. <laughs> so I said, okay. We went down to Borges Hospital in Kalamazoo, and the psych ward was like any other floor, except when you got off the hospital, there was the elevators, there was two double doors with like six locks on it. And you ring a buzzer, you ring a, you ring a buzzer, and uh, when you ring that buzzer, Siri wants to talk to me, but anyway, when you ring that buzzer, there's, there's two guys standing there, and I kid you not, it sounds like a, a, you know, a stereotype, but in white suits. <laughs> Hello? I'm like, hello, we're here to see Betty. Oh, we know Betty. And I thought, I bet you do. Uh, she's in the last room at the end of the hall. And we went down that long hall into that room. Betty was sitting on, it's just like a hospital room. She was sitting on a bed with her feet on the floor. Her husband was in a chair. And there was one of them little two-seated couches there. And the minute I walked in the room, those two men shot behind me. And they jumped right into that two-seated couch. I have nowhere to sit. And I'm scared of her. And I just start walking real slow. And I'm like, hi, Betty. I come to see you. And she goes, I see that. I said, Betty, has anyone told you? That Jesus Christ died just for you. 
And she said, no, I've been in church all my life, but no one told me Jesus died just for me. And Brother Tim, that's when I saw him. And if you're a soul winner, you know to look for these two diamonds, two diamonds right here in the corners of her eyes. And I began to tell Betty how Jesus loved her and how he forgave all of her sin and he died on an old rugged cross and they buried him and on the third day he rose again. And right now, Betty, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. And I'll never forget she slipped off that bed. Those men never moved. They sat right there and watched. And me and Betty got down on that old cold, tile hospital floor. And she took my hands like this. And she prayed and asked Jesus to come into her heart and save her. Betty left the hospital the next morning. And as she was going out the room, the Catholic priest walked in and she said, Get out! I'm a Baptist now! <laughs> She came to church, walked down the aisle. We baptized her and her three kids. And a year later, her husband, he got saved too. And if you had ever told me that a woman like that could ever trust Christ, I'd have said there's no way. But you know what, folks? We serve a great God. We serve a God that's got a great Holy Spirit that deals with people's heart. And there's some of you right now, you've got friends and loved ones, and you say, Brother Kent, there's no hope for them. They're Vermonters. Let me tell you something. We serve a great God. And if you go into the original language in this passage, this part is in Aramaic here. In the original language, the word great there actually means to twist, to make strong. It's a direct reference to rope making. Have you ever got a little hemp rope and uncurled it? You can take the little threads and just break them with your fingers. But when you twist 25 together with 10 more and 10 more and 10, you've got a rope that you can pull your car with. And that's what the word great means. God is not a one attribute God. So many times we're like, God is love. Yes, God is love, but he's long suffering and he's justice and he's omniscient and he's omnipresent and he's mercy. There's a thousand attributes to describe God. And when you put them together, you've got a God <laughs> that you can hold on to. Amen. He is a great God. And then finally, and I'm done. Look at the last thing Nehemiah said. He said, remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Terrible is not a term we use to describe God much today. Tonight we're going to have a one word testimony meeting. Love, joy, peace, happiness, terrible. Mm. We'd think, what's the matter with that guy? But that's what Nehemiah called him. Terrible. 
The word actually means that he is a God to fear. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you're a parent in this room tonight, we teach our kids to fear. I took all five of my kids in the kitchen at one time or the other, turned the burner on the stove, grabbed their hand, and said, feel that. Ooh, daddy, that's hot. Ooh, don't you ever climb up on play on this stove and turn the knobs. My little daughter Elizabeth, when she was a little bitty thing, I'd take her up to the curb and I'd say, now Elizabeth, we're going to cross the street. You know how to do it. Look left, look right, look left again. If there's no cars, then you walk slowly across the street. Don't you dart out there. If you dart out there, a truck will come by, run over your head, and your brains will squeeze out your ears. And she'd be like, whoa. You say, brother Kent, why do you talk to your daughter like that? I want her to fear that road. And she's 26 now, and she'll walk up. You ought to see her when she crosses the road. <laughs> I instilled the fear in her because I didn't want her killed in a street. Yeah. And I tell you tonight that we serve a God to fear. Now, let me say this. I didn't say we serve a God to be scared of. Some tell us that our concept of God comes from our own earthly father. If you had a really good sweet daddy and he hugged you and loved you and took you to the zoo and bought you a caramel apple, that's the kind of God you got in heaven. Some of you, your dad deserted you and your mom when you were a baby. And you know he's out there somewhere, but he don't care anything about you. And then some of you had a horrible father. He beat you around the ears and told you you were stupid and ugly and ignorant. Guess what? That's the kind of God you got in heaven. He's a big meanie up there with a fly swatter ready to swat you. Do you realize that all three of those are false concepts of God? Because God is better than any earthly father you could possibly have. I have that first father. I had a wonderful daddy. Did I fear him? You better believe it. My mother usually would write the indictment. She'd say, Kent, as soon as your dad gets home, you're getting a whipping. I can still see that car pulling up the driveway. Now, you would think a woman would want her husband to come in and enjoy his children for a minute or two. Not my mother. No. <laughs> The minute that screen door hit the jam, first thing out of her mouth was, Kent needs a weapon! <laughs> and I'd be like, well, hi, Dad. Really glad you came home. I don't remember my dad ever whipping me mad. Mm -mm. He was like an executioner. He'd say, okay, Kent, your mama says you need a whipping. Uh, anytime between now and bedtime, just let me know when you want it. I don't remember ever saying, let's just do it right now and get it over with. No. With time, there's hope. 
and all afternoon I was the best kid. Hey, Dad, you need a glass of tea? I'd bring it out to him. Need some cookies? Can I change the channel? Because we didn't have remote control back then. You had to change the channel. And then I'd go get my bath, slip my hair down, brush my teeth. I'd come out to Dad in his easy chair. Oh, Daddy, I love you. You're the best daddy in the world. And then I'd start down that hallway to my bedroom. I can still see the threshold of my bedroom. It was like escape from East Berlin. If I can just cross the border, I'll be all right. And I'd get one step and he'd say, Kent, did you forget something? No, I brushed my teeth. No, you're supposed to get a spanking. Oh, Dad, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. I promise, Dad. Didn't matter how repentant I was. I was going to get a spanking. You say, oh, your dad must have been a horrible person. No, he wasn't. Did I fear him? Yes. Was I scared of him? No. And I tell you tonight that our God is not a God, God to be scared of. But he is a God to fear. And I'm going to tell you tonight that if you have never ever trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, one day you're going to stand at the great white throne of God. And he's going to ask you, why did you reject my son? They're going to open a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And that angel's going to look for your name. And as soon as that angel says there's no record of this person's birth, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 20, you're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Now, I wish I could candy coat that. And I wish I could say that's so negative. I don't even want to tell you about it. But it's in the Bible. And tonight, if you've never been saved... You don't want to stand before a mad daddy who let his only begotten son come to this earth and die for you. You don't want to stand before a God who has the attribute of justice because if you will not accept the blood of Jesus Christ, then you alone will have to pay the penalty of rejecting Jesus Christ. And he will be God to fear. There's some people. They'll say brother Ken. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I believe that. Because I think you do know. I had one person one day. Come up to me and say. Brother Ken. You're not truly saved. If you don't know the exact minute on the clock. You got saved. I don't believe that. Who could remember the exact minute? Maybe someone could, but I don't. Another Christian told me one day, you're not truly saved if you don't know the exact date on the calendar. I don't believe that. Some people can remember the date, but not everybody. But you know what I do believe? Tonight, if you're saved, you'll never forget the place where you got saved. My daughter Elizabeth, when she was a little girl, she used to love to play with sidewalk chalk. About the size of that handkerchief. 
And if I could bring a stick of sidewalk chalk to this room tonight, I truly believe if you're saved, you could go someplace on the face of this earth and you could draw a circle on the ground and you could get in that circle and say, this is where I got saved. For some of you, it's right here in this building. You might have been saved in one of these prayer rooms or even at this altar. It may be in another church, in another town. It may be out here on top of a hill. You see, it doesn't matter where you draw the circle. Can you draw the circle? Because you'll never forget it. I remember when I got married. I'll never forget the day I stood in that church and said, I do. I'll never forget that. And I'll never forget that Sunday night when I walked down the aisle and I knelt at an altar. And I can go to that spot today and draw my circle and get in that circle. You see, some of you, if I gave you the chalk, you'd go... I've just always loved Jesus. <laughs> Don't work like that. There was a moment in time when you called upon the name of Jesus and got saved. How about it tonight? Can you come get the chalk? Can you come get this stick of chalk? Can you draw a circle? Can you go to that place? If you can't, you have a God to fear because you're going to stand before him one day and he's going to ask you why. If you can't draw a circle tonight, I want you to walk down to this good pastor during this altar call and just say five words. I want to be saved. If you're a man, we'll take a man. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady. They're going to take you very privately and discreetly and show you tonight how you could call upon the name of Jesus and be saved. We won't embarrass you. There won't be any hard questions. We'll just show you in God's word how tonight you can be saved and you'll never have to fear God in your future. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you have to come to an altar to get saved. So I'll be in the lobby and Julie and Brother Tim and Sandy and the deacons over here and their wives. And um, if you just couldn't find your way down that aisle, why don't you come see one of us in the lobby and uh, let us take the word and show you how to get saved before you get in that car and leave tonight. Uh, get it settled before you leave the building tonight. Be a great night to get saved. Well, we've got one last little bit of business. We've got a little campaign we're having this week, and we call it Let's Get Ready to Rumble. And we're going to rumble one last time. We need my impartial counters to come down. First, we have Casey. Where's Casey tonight? Here he is. Casey, you're back over here tonight. And uh, then, uh, let's see, last night we had Courtney. Courtney, is she back tonight? 
Oh, Courtney did such a good job last night as an impartial counter. And let's see, huh? how about the young lady in the middle of the three girls? What's your name? Sophia. Sophia, come on down. These are my Vanna Whites. They're good help tonight. Are you ready, Sophia? You don't know who Vanna White is. I ain't that old. All right. Sophia, you're counting everybody in these two sections right here. That's it. Don't cross over the aisle. And KC, you know the drill. Those two sections. You've got the people in the sound booth, and then you have me. Don't forget me. All right. Monday night, we had a wonderful rumble. And Paul and Tammy came out on top with 149 points. <laughs> and then last night, we had a wonderful rumble. And Kurt and Rachel, they came out on top with 117 points. <laughs> But it was not enough to beat Paul and Tammy. Right now, Paul and Tammy are lined up to win the grand prize tonight. But maybe someone can beat 149 points tonight. We'll see. We've got two more teams. And our first team is Isaac and Jack. Stand up, Isaac and Jack. Here they are. If you said you would stand up for Isaac and Jack, stand up tonight. Now, count everybody standing one point apiece. One, uh, yes, yes, I'm standing for them. One point apiece. Thank you, Casey, for being thorough. One point apiece. Go down the aisle. If you can't see... If you're extremely short, hold your hand up so they'll know you are standing. Short people have got to hold their hands up. All right. On the right, Sophia, what do you got? 18. How many? 18. 18. On the left, Casey. He's still working. Don't want to rush him. He works cheaper if you don't rush him. How many you got, Casey? Uh, 48! What a good score. Do any of you have a child or a spouse maybe in the nursery or in the bathroom right now and they're standing for Isaac and Jack? Hold up one finger for anybody that's not in the auditorium, but they are in the back and they're standing for Isaac and Jack. All right, one finger for each person. What do you got, Sophia? One, one more. What do you got, Casey? All right, that's three more. All right, very good. If you're a member, a member. Ken, he missed some. They had more I? than two. They're, they're reaching, trying to get his attention. Oh, okay. Do that again, Casey. Hold your fingers up over here. Four. 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 Four on your side. All right. With uh, Sophia, that's five more points, right? Okay. You had one, didn't you? Yeah. All right. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> now, if you're a member of Victory Baptist Church, not an attender, but a member of the church, be seated. Members, be seated. 
You non-members keep standing. Now, Sophia, count these in multiples of five. Five, 10, 15, 20. Don't make me do the math. And I'm not a member. Count me five. I'm a big fish. Sophia made an A in math class, and she's so quick. How many you got? 30. 30. KC is just learning, and uh, he's a little slower. Uh, How many you got, KC? 110. Whoa! All right. Do any of you have a child or a spouse in the back? Keep in mind that most children are not members of the church. Hold up a finger for anyone in the back that's a non-member standing for Isaac and Jack. Hold up a finger. Hold up a finger. What do you got over here, Sophia? Ten. Ten more. And then, Casey, what do you got? Forty. Forty more? All right. You can be seated. And let's give Jack and Isaac a big hand back there. Tonight, they're rumbling against Harmon and Kathy. Stand up, Harmon and Kathy. Where you at? Stand up if you said you would stand for Harmon and Kathy tonight. Count everybody one point apiece. One point apiece. All right, Sophia, what do you got on the right? 40. 40. What do you got on the left, Casey? 11. 11. Do any of you have a child or a spouse in the back that's standing for Harmon and uh, uh, Kathy? Hold up a finger for anyone in the back that's standing for Harmon and Kathy. What do you got on the right, Sophia? Five. Five? Is that, uh, this is the one, it's one apiece. Is it one? Yeah, five. Yep. Oh, good for you. <laughs> just, just keeping you honest. What do you got, Casey? Zero. All right. Uh, if you're a member of Victory Baptist Church, go ahead and be seated, members. Thank you. Now count these in multiples of five. These are the fivers. Count them in multiples of five. What do you got, Casey? Ten. What do you got, Sophia? Sixty. Good job. Do any of you have a child or a spouse that's in the back? They're not a member, but they're standing for Harmon and Kathy. Hold up a finger for each one. A finger for each one. All right, what do you got, Sophia? Zero. What do you got, Casey? Zero. All right, you can be seated, and let's give Harmon and Kathy a big hand. <laughs> give my impartial counters a big hand. Thank you. Thank you to my counters tonight. All right, let me add up this final score tonight. It's not going to take long. But tonight, Harmon and Kathy did a wonderful job. They came in with 126 points tonight. Paul, <laughs> oh, that's not enough to beat you. So all we got left is the boys, Isaac and Jack. And tonight they came in with 210 points. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was
was the first column. I forgot to add the second column. 260 points! That was a pretty awesome blowout tonight. All right. Pastor, come up, and you're going to be our presenter of our gifts tonight. Where are they? The gifts? Are in your hand. All right. Monday night. We had Sandy and Erica against Paul and Tammy. Sandy and Erica, Paul and Tammy, come on down. We have a gift for both of you. Come on down, Erica. Where's Tammy? Where's your wife tonight? She's oh, in the nursery. All right, for our winner Monday night, what do we have for them, Pastor? We have for the, for the winner. Winner, no, no, the winner of Monday night. Right. Right. $25 gift certificate for each of them. To Dunkin' Donuts. Hey! Wow! And for Sandy and Eric, our runner-up, what do you have for them? A $15 gift certificate to Dunkin' Donuts for each of them. Oh, very good! Tuesday night, John and Hannah, come on down. Kurt and Rachel. Kurt and Rachel, John and Hannah. All right, for our winners was Kurt and Rachel. What do you got for them? $25 gift certificate to Dunkin' Donuts. No! <laughs> and for John and Hannah? $15 gift certificate for each of us. No! Dunkin' Donuts! Thank you. And then tonight, Isaac and Jack, come on down. And Harmon and Kathy. <laughs> well, preacher, surprise us. What do we got for Isaac and Jack tonight? Twenty-five dollars. You two wait right here. And what do we have for our runners-up, Harmon and Kathy? Fifteen-dollar gift. Yeah. Now. Isaac and Jack are grand prize winners. And what's the gift for the grand prize winner? Okay. I, I need Erica to come on up on the platform. Oh, boy. And I need John Kaufman. John. Come on up on the platform. Come on up. So I had a staff meeting right and I asked them, I said, guys, what would be a great prize for our grand prize winners? Oh, okay. And they said, you know what, Pastor? I think for them to be able to go to 802 Print and pick out out of their rack of stuff and have the church logo put on it, we think that would be a great grand prize. So you can go right in town. They have everything from hoodies to shirts to jackets. And we'll have Victory Baptist Church embroidered on it. That's your grand prize. And we'll pay for it. Church. Ah! Thank you, boys. You did a good job tonight. All right. Well, you know, everybody that participated was a winner in my book. And I do appreciate the teams, how hard they worked all week. And uh, you congratulate them after the service. All right, Pastor, come and take his pulpit.
as Brother Kent mentioned before he wrapped it up, he said, now listen, if you, if you thought about receiving Christ as your Savior tonight, if you thought about being saved, absolutely, you are welcome to call me anytime. I'll sit down. We'll just go through the Bible. I will answer your questions. To be saved, it's kind of, it, it is a biblical term that's commonly used among Christians. It simply means recognizing you're a sinner that Jesus died for your sins and that you need to repent of your sins and receive Christ into your heart, that is being saved. I would love to sit down, open the Bible with you, show you, answer questions, pray with you that you might be saved, that you might, Christ called it being born again, that you might be born again, that you might receive Christ as your savior. So please call me, talk to me after church anytime. I would be happy, thrilled to go through the scriptures with you with that. Thank you for coming out for the revival. Thank you for being here this evening. And of course, you are all welcome back to church on Sunday morning. Kent will not be preaching. I will be preaching. But I would love to have you here this coming Sunday. Let's be dismissed with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so very, very much that we're able to come and enjoy the service. Lord, we thank you for Brother Kent. We thank you for his preaching. Lord, we thank you so much for Julie ministering to us in song. And I pray that you give them safety as go they travel around America and around the world ministering for you. And Lord, I pray for our church. Help us to be sincere and genuine in our faith. Help us to live it day by day. Share it with our neighbors, our friends, and our relatives. For truly, Lord, you are worthy. We thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen.